0: Hebrews 4, and also thumb a place in your Bible at Exodus 20. As you know, we've been in a series on the Ten Commandments. And one thing that has been repeated over and over again is that the Ten Commandments are not obsolete, they are absolute. Let's all just say that together, okay? Because I've already said it a multiple times, so I want you to join with me. Let's just say it. The Ten Commandments are not obsolete. They are absolute. And that's for us today, alright? Notice here in Hebrews chapter 4, what the writer says about this fourth commandment, and then we're going to tie it in. We're going to start with verse 1 and move to 13. Therefore, while the promise of entering His rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them, because they were not united by faith with those who listened." formally received the good news, failed to enter because of disobedience, again He appoints a certain day. Today, saying through David so long afterward, in the words already quoted, Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has already rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but... All are naked and exposed to the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner, who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Let us pray. Jesus, we thank You for Your Word. Your Word is living. It's living because the author is in this room and alive today, able to work in our hearts, who is the Holy Spirit. Help us now as we... Look into Your Word as we listen to Your Word and respond to it in faith. We pray in Jesus' name, Amen. If you were to live 75 years, which is kind of an average, you'd sleep about 219,000 hours according to, you know, if, as long as you're in the thousands, we don't even think about that anymore because we hear numbers on the news all the time of trillions. We don't even comprehend how big that is. But anyway, 219,000 hours of sleeping is quite a long time, actually. You would eat around 82,125 hours. Okay? That's, that's quite a long time to eat. Um, that's just an hour. I just calculate an hour, uh, three, three hours a day uh, in that. Now notice this. If you were to go to church every Sunday, (laughs) you know, and just give God two hours, right, on Sunday to worship Him, uh, it'd only be 7,800 hours of your life. And many of us can't even do that, can't even keep up with that, have not done that, which is fascinating to think of your whole life and you only spend 7,000 hours roughly giving it to God on one day, two hours of that day. I'm just saying, He asked for a percentage here. This is what the Sabbath is about. The Sabbath is about a day of rest, but also a day of worship. It's about the rhyme and rhythm of your week. God is saying, your week is not all yours. Just like He's saying, all your money is not all yours. Instead, 10% will be for me. And offerings on top of that. And when we get to the New Testament, it's the whole thing is His. When we get to the New Testament, even on time, the whole thing is His. He holds time. He is life itself, isn't He? And so if time is your life... I heard about a movie. I never watched it. I think it has Justin Timberlake in it for some reason. I don't know if I've ever, I know I haven't seen it, but anyway, the movie, the base of the movie, I think it's called Time, which is kind of appropriate, but nonetheless, he's in the movie, the the basic part of the movie is you don't pay for food, clothing, lodging with money. Instead, you pay with your time. So you have a certain amount of time that everybody's given to live, and once that time expires, well, that's it. But you buy things based off of that time that you have. So everybody's got the same amount of time. So if you want to buy a big house, hey, that's fine. But you're not going to live as long. You want a sweet car, Ferrari F50, whatever, Testarossa? You know, that's fine. But it's going to cost you. And I got to thinking about this, just, just, just the general concept. Again, I have, say, I have not seen the movie, so I'm not condoning the movie or... But just think about that. Isn't that the way our life really actually works in the end? (laughs) I mean, the more stuff we have, the more we have to work, right? Normally. In order to get food, in order to do these things, we do have to give our life to it, don't we? In order to whip up a good meal, rather than stop by the fast food place, we've got to give our life to that. Our time to that. Time is life. Your life is clicking away. Tick-tocking Away, if you will. And the question we want to ask this morning is, what are we doing with our time? My dad, who um, is number one on influencing me in my life, not just because he's my dad, but he's also my mentor spiritually. He discipled me. He's my discipler. And still is even to this day. He used to say, you preach your own funeral. You I mean, he's done a lot of funerals. I, interestingly, have not ever done one by myself yet, even though I've been in ministry for quite some time. I've helped with one, but not done it myself. And he's done a mini, and he says, you know, you actually preach your own funeral. I, he can get up there and preach people into heaven, or you've seen people do this, preach people into heaven, or preach people into hell, whatever. That's not our place. They've already preached the message of their life. We already know what they gave their life to. We already have a percent. I mean, each one of us in this room, when your name pops up in a conversation, people think about what it is you give your time to. Your life screams that. It's why we often say with the old aphorism, "You know, your, your actions actually speak louder than your words. You may have an ideal of what you wish you could live for, or what you should be living for, but my question today from the Scripture here is what are you actually giving your time, your life to? I mean, what what if we just did the percentages here this morning? What if we just ran the numbers on your life, on my life, and all of a sudden we saw how much time and percentage-wise you spend in the Scripture, or you spend in prayer, or you spend loving Jesus and serving Him in the world compared to video games or TV, or movies, or work, or book reading. We give our time, our life, to many things, but are they things that move us toward the ultimate goal, who is God Himself, who is life (laughs) Himself? (laughs) So what is a Sabbath? Sabbath. Sabbath actually means rest. And that's kind of the idea here. And interestingly, in Exodus, remember there's two accounts of the Ten Commandments. One found in Exodus 20, the other in Deuteronomy 5. The one in Exodus, you know how, notice how he gives... Some of the commands he'll just simply state them. Do not kill. There's no commentary needed. Here, with the Sabbath keeping, there is a little commentary given in both Exodus 20 and also in Deuteronomy 5, but they're different. They're different. It's a different commentary with, with, with the Sabbath in particular. None of the other ones get this kind of treatment. The rest of them is word for word. The same. What's different, you might ask, it's the emphasis here upon why keep the Sabbath. In Exodus 20, the reason for keeping the Sabbath is because God Himself rested. So He worked for six days and then rested on the seventh day and said... This is very good. In other words, the work of his hand, the fruit of his work, what he had worked for during the week, he sat back and was able to enjoy it on the seventh day. And he sat there and looked at it and said, this is very good. Now, have you ever scurried through life? so much burning the candle at both ends that you stop to think to yourself all of a sudden, am I even really even enjoying what I'm working for? (laughs) I mean, I have all this stuff that I'm trying to accumulate and buy and work for, but I'm not even able to stop and enjoy it because i got to go back to work. You see, God says, no, the rhyme and the rhythm of your life should be one that you work hard but then there's a day of rest. We're not meant to just be workaholics. Now, in some places of the United States, we may not need to be preaching this message of don't be a workaholic. Instead, we may even need to flip it. Actually, go to work. No, it's true. And the Bible speaks to that. It says, if you don't work, you don't eat. This is what Paul says. And he actually says, look, we worked while we were with you, with our own hands. So, work is important, but workaholic is not the Christian life. And in this area in Huntsville, I've noticed we have more workaholics that I deal with than we do not. And some people's life is consumed by their work. Now, work is good. Work is something that even God, I used to think that work was terrible, you know, when I was a kid. I used to think it was something of the devil. Something that because of sin, I mean, you know, like people, you know, girls were always complaining about childbirth, so I always complained about work. You know, I I thought, you know, hey, because we got to work, that's Adam's fault, man. What a, what you know, what a, what a terrible guy. That's not true. God works. God works. He has a job. He tells us about what kind of job he has. Jesus treated his ministry as a job. He wasn't late. He worked overtime even. Don't you remember? He was tired. And yet here comes some more people. And he said, Okay guys, let's go. And they're saying, What? It's 5 o'clock, man. (laughs) God works and work is good. Work is something that we as humans are made for. We're not meant just for leisure. We're not meant just for relaxation. You ever notice that 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 when you when you just say to yourself, I'm gonna I'm gonna just take the whole day up and I'm gonna just do nothing. I'm gonna just sit on the couch and just watch TV, watch my... you feel terrible at the end of that day. Like you're just a loser, like you haven't done anything. You just you got a headache, and you're just saying, I gotta get up off this couch and do something productive. Why? Because it's built within us to work. We are meant to create things with our hands. God created things, did He not? It's built with... We're in His image. We are made to work, but we're also made to rest. We need to rest. We need to calm ourselves down and say, work is not life. Work is a part of life. Work is not all of life. And I think that's a challenge for some of us in, in this Huntsville area. So, in Exodus 20, you get rest, keep a sabbath because I did in Deuteronomy 5 it says to keep the sabbath because I brought you out of Egypt remember, in other words the first one here in Exodus is is a day of rest physically stop working have a day where you can recuperate enjoy your family enjoy the fruit of your labor enjoy life rest rest Some of us need to do that. Just rest. Stop and smell the roses. Stop and watch the sunset go down. You realize that God made that. You know, there's all kind of stuff that we made all around us. Buildings and bombs and missiles and all this kind of stuff here in this area. But God made the sunset. And it happens every night right now around 8 o'clock. And you can see it. It's free. And it's something that you can enjoy with your family. Teach them to enjoy God's creation. That's His work. But also, the Sabbath is a day of worship. God didn't just say, hey, just take off a day and even take off a day for me because you don't need me on that day. that's, That's not the case at all. Instead, this day of rest also ought to be a day of worship, which is what it was for the Jews, was it not? This is when they went to church. This is their Saturday. And... And, of course, even there are some groups today that meet on Saturday because of this, such as the Jews, such as Seventh-day Adventists. This was a day where you worshipped God, where you worshipped as a family, where you spent time, you spent your life with your family. Isn't that important? My kids don't need my gifts. They don't need more toys, trust me. We're trying to calculate now how we can get around birthday parties without getting more toys. They don't need that stuff. What they need is you. They need your time. Interestingly, Jessica wants quality time with me. I mean, can you believe that? With me. She does. She's the only one, which is why I married her. but she actually wants to spend time with me. She doesn't want just what I can provide for her, what I can give her by my work, but she wants me. So does God. Amen. God says, look, you can't work for my salvation. <laughs> work is a good thing. Work is what we are supposed to be doing, yes. But you cannot work for love. Love comes from the heart. Love is a commitment that goes beyond emotion, that goes beyond a nine to five. I'm done now. I'm out of my husband mode. I'm out of my father mode. No, no, no. Love doesn't work like that. And neither does God's love. He says there's a day of rest and there's a day to worship. And look, it's not every day. So again, that's why I say, you know, Sundays are important. And we'll talk about. Why? He said, well, why in the world is do we not worship on Saturday now? Because of Jesus, the New Testament. When He comes, He gets challenged. Now, He follows the Sabbath, does He not? He, he's at the temple. You know, he's going to church on, on Saturday, and He's teaching. However, He gets challenged on the Sabbath, doesn't He? Several times in the Gospels you'll read this, and the two challenges primarily that He responds to, He says, look, the Sabbath was made for man. First of all, this is is something made for us, for humans. The second thing is that the Sabbath, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. (laughs) So in other words, I am the reason for the Sabbath. The reason you can rest, the reason there is a day of rest is because of me. Because all things were created through me and by me and for me. And so when they try to critique him, oh, you can't heal somebody on the Sabbath, that's against the law. Well, it wasn't against the Torah, it was against the laws that were added to the Torah by the Pharisees. You see, they had built a fence, actually fences, around the the Torah, which they thought of as a fence as well, so they would never break it. I mean, you saw what happened when they break it, they got kicked out of land. So they said, we're never going to do that again. How do you stop from breaking into something? Well, you put more barriers around it. So they had added layers of law to the law, to the Torah, to the instructions that God had given Moses. And Jesus comes on and says, no, we don't have to follow those. That's the legalism that you guys are practicing that we do not have to follow. He says, look, if if the law says that we can do good to animals, I mean, if if your lamb falls into a hole, you can get it out on the Sabbath. And yet you're saying, I can't even make this guy's hand clean? That I can't cleanse him of leprosy? It's not how things work in God's economy. You see, Jesus reinterprets, just like He does with all the Ten Commandments, God's law. Because He is the end of the law. He is what the law itself was pointing toward. And so once He dies and then resurrects on Easter morning, that shifts the entire universe. Now instead of, instead of the day of worship being on the last day of the week, now we're up at the front of the week we put God and Jesus Christ at the very center of our week. I mean, Sunday, although some calendars are shifting, when you look at them, Sunday is at the last. I've seen a couple of them. No, it's at the first. It's the first day of the week. This is when Jesus rose from the dead. This is our now our day of worship. This is the Lord's day. We are told to rejoice and be glad in it. And so this is the day in which we worship. This is a day, if you can, in which you can rest. Now again, we're not getting into legalism, but you have to have a day of rest, physical rest. I mean, this is a work day for me. You know, my my, my workday starts Saturday, whereas most people start Monday. But that's okay. I, you know, even in, even in the Bible, there were stipulations for the priests. They worked on sa- the Sabbath, so we're not getting into legalism. Oh, you're working. Oh, you're... No, it's not about that. But I will say this: I never cut my grass on Sunday. It's just something I've always practiced. I may go out and pick a couple weeds just because I'm bored with the kids. I see a weed, I'm like, ah, you know. But no, I'm not going to cut my grass. on Why? It's just principle for me. I'm not going to do certain things on Sunday just because it's principle. It, it's, it's the same principle that Hobby Lobby works by. Amen. It's the same principle that Chick-fil-A, they could make millions. You know how many people go shopping on Sunday? Hobby Lobby would be rolling in some dough on Sunday. And they are not. Why? Because principal, principle. Mr. Green said no. I've read his book. I know the reasons why. And he says God will bless us anyway. We'll work six days and I'm going to take off a day. How many of us do that in our life? How many of us trust God to say, look, I could go further and, and create some more security, but I'm not because I'm going to trust God and I'm going to spend time with my family. How radical would that be to your neighbors? You know, you are a witness to them, right? So when everybody else is cutting their grass on Sunday, which seems to be the hopping day to do it for some reason, I'm saying no. Now again, that doesn't make me better. If you are, it's not about that. I'm saying I take a stand. You need to take your own stand in your own life to say, this is our day to rest and worship. And you need to teach your family this. This is something that your family needs to be incorporated in. This is a day of worship. Sunday in particular is the Christian's day for worship. For 2,000 years now, Christians have gotten up early in the morning to prepare themselves to meet with the risen Lord as a corporate body. And that will continue forever. Now I know there's reason to have services on Saturday night and, and all these other different times. That's fine, whatever. But Sunday is the designated holy day just like the Sabbath was. Notice what the command here is. Remember it and keep it holy. It's kind of twofold. Remember this day and keep it holy. You say, well, why do we need to remember? The Old Testament is, is full of this verb, remember. Why? Because we seem to forget. As, as people, we even forget who we are as Christians sometimes. We just begin to go through life willy nilly, going through life. Just by our own schedule. And what the Sabbath does for us, a Sabbath rest, it shakes up our schedule. It dominates our schedule, especially if it's the first day of the week. Doesn't the sacrifices say we give of the first fruits, not of the last fruits. We don't make sure we've got enough and then give God a little bit of that. Instead, we give right off the top. In your own giving you should give right off the top. Soon as it, soon as the check arrives, you should give to God your 10% or however much you give beyond that. Why? Because that's an act of faith. It's not an act of faith to make sure, okay, well, and I know, also, I, you know what, I'm going to owe him this month because I need to buy a couple things. No. No, make it a standard. Your giving should be an act of worship. Don't give if it's not. God doesn't need your money. You realize that, right? He doesn't need your money. He owns everything. He doesn't need a dime of your money. And a dime of it is not going to get you to heaven. It's a principle by which we live by to teach us and to remind us. This is not all my money. This is not all my time. Instead, there is time for God and what I have is a gift from Him. When we begin to look at our life as a gift, then we're thankful. If we look at our life as something we worked for, we want more of it. The Bible says in all things be thankful. Thanksgiving should be the dominant attitude of the Christian's life. Now notice this. What about us this morning? How does this commandment speak to us? We know what what it sounded like to the the ancient Hebrews. We've looked at that. We, We know what it means, the Sabbath means, and how it was practiced... In Israel, but how does this relate to us today? I would say a few things. One is remember God. It's a day of today is a day of remembrance. You know, it's 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 almost like a recharge for us. We come in here, we get we get. uh, It's almost like if if we're in if we're in the army of God, so to speak. This is our weekly meeting of what we're supposed to be about this week. We're getting a, a secret telecom. From, from you know the commander himself to move out in mission into rebellious territory. I mean, we're behind enemy lines here. And now we're getting this message today at the first day of the week to give us our orders to march out into his battlefield for him. This is what we're doing on Sunday. We're hearing from the commander himself. So we must remember Him, but also make it holy. Your kids and you yourself need to understand that there are times of holiness, times that are sacred and common time. And that's okay. You know this well. I mean, that's why some people say, Man, what a powerful service. I just really felt the presence of God. Well, the presence of God is everywhere. Why did you feel it so strong in that place was because there was a lot of preparation that went into it. Why are youth camps effective? Why are why are retreats, spiritual retreats effective? Because you have so many people preparing for weeks in advance. So many people praying at one time for these specific people by name. There's a lot of preparation. And anytime you have preparation to meet God, God's going to come there. He's going to be there in a very powerful way to meet people in a powerful way. You say, well, why don't I experience that on Sunday? Probably because you wake up late. You get there late. You're running in. N- nothing so so you got here late. <laughs> Ding! You know. But get this. We don't ever prepare. We just walt- waltz up into His presence. Alright, God, do something. No, no, no. That's not the way we approach God. We don't demand that He does something on our time. No, He owns time. And we prepare our hearts. We don't come here, and look, there's plenty of preparation that goes into every service that we have here. But I'm saying you have to prepare your family. You have to prepare. Your, that's your job as a parent. Also, let me leave you with this thought here. That I came across yesterday, and that is, what would you want written as an as a on your on your tombstone? You know, epitaph. your epitaph, epitaph. Um, you know, what would you want written there? What would you want it to say? What would you want the goal of your life to be? What would you want people to remember you by when they said your name? What would they think? You know, Steve Jobs. Lots of money. Apple. That's what I think about when I think of him. Buddhist, you know. What are people going to think about you? As I said at the beginning here, you're already writing your funeral. It's already being written in your life right now. Whatever it is you're giving your time to, whatever it is you're giving your life to, wherever all your hours are going, stop today and evaluate that. Where is it all going? What is it all going to and for? Because let me tell you something. Jesus says, it's good to work, but it's better to work for the kingdom. For things that don't perish. For an eternal reward. Are you working toward that reward? Keep the Sabbath and make it holy. This is our command today. What God is saying to us for this week is, watch your time. Your time is your life. What are you purchasing with your life this week? I want you just to keep track of it. See where it goes. And see if it's up building to the kingdom. Because ultimately, at the end of when everything falls down, when everything comes to completion, when the final sunset goes down and the time of our life is over, all that matters is Jesus. That's it. Literally, that's all that matters in that last breath is Jesus. And at the end of people's life, they don't say, I wish I would have drank more. I wish I would have watched more movies. I wish I would have been able to, 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 you know, read more books. At the end of their life, they talk about loving people. I've been there. Watch people die. They talk about love. Why? Because love never fails. And God is love. Amen. Amen.